welcome to the Advance Your Art podcast, where we talk about the journey from artist to entrepreneur and everything in between. You've worked hard to hone your craft. Now take it to the next level with tips, techniques, strategies, and routines used by successful artists to grow their businesses and careers. Now, let's get started and have some fun with your host, Yuri Cataldo. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hello, I am doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining me. So I'd like to first start off by letting the audience know a little more about you. So how do you describe yourself and what you do these days? What a deep question. Um, <laughs> I went in for the, the kill right now. Uh, how do I describe myself? I would say that my, like, 2018 definition of who I am and what I do is I'm an actress and a storyteller. Um, it sounds super cliche, but I'm really um, loving the word storyteller this year because mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a film producer in the sense that I help people tell their stories through film, either through the production aspect or I help get their um, amplify the voice of their stories through like distribution and marketing. So I really am an advocate for storytelling and I'm an actress. So why not? <laughs> That's amazing. So you said 2018. In mm-hmm. general, does your definition of what you do change year by year? I think that every year you have to gauge where you're at because life uh, continues to evolve. And then sometimes you can get very stagnant putting yourself in one box. So I think it it molds and moves. Like last year, I would have just said I'm an actress and a film producer or I'm an actress and I own a marketing and production company. Mm-hmm. It's just I think that um, I got really, uh, really super focused on like the why concept and like why I do what I do and what I'm drawn to. And yeah, the, this year I was very much like, I think this is what I'm going with. So um, yeah, I think it just evolves year to year. Okay, sure. So I'd like to then backtrack a little bit. And Let's do just, it. <laughs> so you originally went to school for communication, arts, and graphic arts. Why did you choose to study those? Um, so I think, um, not to like be like a little girl about it, but I've always known that I wanted to be an actress, and I went to performing arts high school. I went half day to performing arts high school, half day to a regular high school. Okay. Um, and I wanted to go to school for acting, but I didn't really have – the grades, unfortunately, at the time to like get into NYU or or Fordham, and I thought that those were like the only two acting colleges in New York. But I always knew I wanted to be in New York. And um, when I got into Marymount, um, I, which I just like stumbled into. This is before Marymount became a really uh, Marymount Manhattan College became a really big performing arts college. Um, mm-hmm. I, I got to go there. It's a liberal arts school, and I decided if I'm going to act, I'm going to go do it because I'd already been really honing my craft in for four years. And if I wanted to to do something else, I should study something else to help me, or you know, to help elevate my education. And I really I was drawn to communication arts because my backup plan, if I wasn't going to become a world famous actress, was to be an advertising executive. And that's why I was drawn to communication arts. Sure. And okay. I. And Communication Arts also has like um, filmmaking and broadcast journalism, and um, and because of advertising is how I got into graphic design. So I was a double major, double minor in college because masochism sounded like a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Uh, definitely. I uh, You're not alone on that one. That was, for some reason, also when I went to school. I have a bunch of different minors and some random majors, too. So that's great. So, okay, so you graduated. What did you do? I see that you also then went and studied at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. Um, mm-hmm. So what did you do in between graduating from Marymount until you mo- went into the American Academy of Dramatic Arts? Um, so it's always interesting when people say, like, what do you, did you do when you graduated college, especially with the temperament of, like, the job world, um, you know, the last 10 years. Uh, I graduated in 2010, and I think I, and I always knew that I was going to be some sort of entrepreneur. I even, like, discussed it my senior year in college. So I'd been, I've been freelancing since I graduated college. So right after, right out of college, I started freelancing as a graphic designer. Um, I did, like, one internship once for like a month and I was like this is stupid I'm not going to work for someone for free for four months especially I felt that the place that I was at I could tell that they liked that I was really good at giving them free work and they wouldn't anytime there was an opportunity to like educate me in like web design I can't code for my life so um anytime there was a way to like educate me I I saw that they gave it to the girl that wasn't as good as a graphic designer so they were they could just like teach her something and still like get free work and I really didn't like the process at the time so I just started freelancing on my own. I had like my portfolio. I, I got honors in college. So I really had a really great kind of little golden star nest egg to kind of share to become a freelancer. So, um, yeah, that's what I did at college. I just started working with like real estate agents because they need marketing materials. I did, I was really big into music merchandising because it merged the creative and um, the business world. And, and so I started just creating like designing packages and brand imagery and stuff and stuff like that and um and what i wanted to do is i really my one of the biggest regrets i'll ever have is i didn't go to school for acting and i think it's because i wasn't properly educated um during high school and i think it mm-hmm. uh the fact that like you can you can have a career in this because i think there's still so much unknown about it and um so i went to, i went to, uh, to american academy of dramatic arts i just went for their summer intensive it was a lot of fun um, in hindsight, I, I wish I could have done the, the full uh, two years that they have for their um, like conservatory program, but it was a wonderful experience to just be back in um, a class like uh, energy mm-hmm. that I that I didn't have on the performing end during my time in, in college. Yeah. So for their summer program, what? So I guess first off, why did you choose to study at American Academy of Dramatic Arts? And then in their summer program, what types of uh, things that they cover? Mm-hmm. Um, so the reason I chose American Academy of Dramatic Arts, I think I, I tend to really um, focus on patterns with things. And uh, uh, like I was a math minor in college because I'm weird and like I love patterns and numbers and things. And, and I know I kept getting, during that a period of time when I graduated college, I kept getting like all the postcards and stuff for American Academy of Dramatic Arts. And I was like, oh, I'll never get to go there and blah, blah, blah. And then I saw they had a summer program and I was like, you know what? I can do this. And and um, I was like, you know what? For Just for the hell of it, I'm going to audition. And I did and I got in. Um, it was very concentrated. So the, the um, classes that we covered was like basic acting 101, which is always a good like kind of um, training those course and movement, which I really loved. Um, diction and voice, which was excellent. They had a really wonderful teacher, and um, and a little bit of scene study is what we covered okay. during the course of like that period of time. Oh, very cool. Yeah. All right, so okay, so you so you went to school for that over the summertime, and then 
what did you do after that? So did you get into acting and, and start and and start going off on that way or did you um, continue on the marketing side? So um, my acting career, my professional acting career, I think is, the, is a better way to put it, is mm-hmm. I, um, I've been acting professionally since 2007, so since I've been in college. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I started at a really jumping into the, the professional world of acting this summer after my freshman year. Okay. So I, I, did a, I, I did a commercial right off the bat. I was really navigating all the student films. Like That was a lot of fun. So I was already deep into... Uh, pursuing life as a professional actor during that period of time. I was just thinking that um, because of like, I was so very green in terms of uh, allowing my instincts to drive me towards the jobs I wanted or navigate the industry on my own. Um, I, I didn't think that I had the skills per se to really jump into it. And then I realized that it's just about saying yes and like, going forward and saying, this is what I want, this is where I want to go, mm-hmm. and really just start pursuing it. So um, I was still marketing this whole time. I think um, the the most influential uh, job that I had, because I also worked in corporate, you know, like you have your moments where, I, ha- I had moments where people want you to take the pragmatic approach, like, well, you know, you graduated college, and you need to be able to afford an apartment on your own, and you need to be able to do all these things, and, like, my parents, of course, didn't understand that, like, you know, people want you to intern for free for four months, or they want you to get entry level, but you have to have, like, three years experience to get entry level jobs, it just, because of the fact that, like, the job world was so sporadic and archaic and also very selfish, is why I started to go into business for myself. Um, okay. I was still, I was still, um, yeah, obviously I'm very jaded by it. <laughs> but I, uh, being a freelance graphic designer was an amazing experience. Probably one of the best things I ever, ever did. Um, I love the fact that I, I can be a graphic designer. It's really changed my life and, and opened doors for me that I don't think I would have been able to have otherwise. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was still marketing because people start working with me as a marketing consultant because my, my background's in communications and I tend to have, um, I had such a, a good understanding of uh, the marketing, of marketing strategies. So um, uh, I was very heavily into utilizing you know, visuals to drive your marketing strategy, to drive your brand, your brand, to drive your message, to drive like who you are and, and things like that. So I was able to really gather some great clients. Um, one big thing that I was doing is I was, I was really heavily getting into photo retouching as one does, especially in New York. You know, there's so many fashion designers mm-hmm. and photographers that like need your help. So I had one photographer that I worked with who led me uh, to a designer that I worked with. I used to make catalogs for fashion designers. And then it also led me to um, working with this woman who was trying to start a, um, a fashion startup. She was coming from the uh, investment banking world, and she wanted to go from corporate to creative. And uh, she wanted, she was very interested in creating fashion shows for the public. So what I did is, you know, she took a likeness to me, and I worked with her, and it was just me and her literally for like a whole year, 365 days, I worked with her five to uh, six, seven days a week, 10 to 15 hour days. I produced wow. fashion fashions for her. Mm-hmm. It was literally, it was grueling and she was very vindictive towards the end, unfortunately, but I learned so much. I, I am so appreciative of the education that I got from that experience. And I, when I quit, I quit on a show that I had worked literally six months preparing, mm-hmm. um, just my, myself. And, um, and that whole like, 
uh, you know, constant, like little concentrated year. Uh, it was like the grad school experience I never got to have. And I launched my, I quit. And two and a half weeks later, I decided I was going to, I could do the same thing. I have fashion show clients. I produced my first fashion show by myself. I raised 10 grand in two and a half weeks and I launched my fashion show during fashion week in 2013. And that was the launch of my business. Oh, wow. So when you say that, so when you say that you launched a fashion show, is that, so how does that work? Is it, did you, is that because you worked with a, let's say an established fashion brand or a new brand? and then produced their runway show for them? Or when you mean produce a fashion show, what what does that mean? Um, So producing a fashion show, in my definition, what what I do, Mm -hmm. I mean, everyone has their own definition, but what I did was that I, what I had learned, this this woman wanted to basically create fashion shows to the public. So the idea behind it was the fact that, like, if you want to see your favorite band, you can go to a concert. If you want to see your favorite actor, you can see them you know, um, in a play, if they're, if they're, you know, performing on Broadway or performing in whatever. But if you, if, if you're really in a fashion and you want to see your favorite fashion designers or you want to see the fashion live on the runway, uh, during fashion, you need to know somebody who knows somebody. It's a very in- industry based event. Yeah. Like even like film festivals, you can buy a ticket to a film festival, but you can't buy a ticket to a fashion show unless it's purposely open to the public. And at the time, the only people really doing high class, high end fashion shows was like American Express had like something open to like their gold members to have a public fashion show. And and people didn't understand that like fashion shows were only seven minutes long. Not that I'm like heavily into fashion, but <laughs> I understood the the elements of the fashion show being like the main event because everyone wants, especially during fashion week, you want to feel like you're a part of it. And New York changes at or it's totally different now, but like New York was very like it was totally changed and, and overly branded with fashion week. You know, you have all the presses coming in. It was it was a really high energy time during the year, especially during September and fall um, versus February. And so I I had a fashion designer that I used to do retouching for and make their catalog. And I already had a bunch of contacts for the businesses that I could connect to with sponsorship because I'd been doing this for a year. Mm-hmm. And I, and I knew that I knew like, what did I need? Like I needed chairs. I needed a runway. I needed, you know, flats in a, in a walkway. I need a location. I need to sell tickets. I knew the ticket places. So pretty much, I mean, I had a girl working with me at the time, but I mean, I was very much the driving force behind it. And I, I organized the show. I said, this is what I want. I wanted something unique. I had the only brunch fashion show in New York City, so I wanted to make it. Because if you're not a part of the industry, you didn't understand how quick it was. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to make a glamorous event that when people went there, they felt very like VIP and elite and excited. And they left feeling like they might not be able to buy the fashion, but they were important at the fashion show. And like I, like Queen Latifah's people reached out to me. She was going to try to come and and common is going to try to come. And instead we had um, some interesting folks. I had a couple of pageant people there, which is exciting. Um, and yeah, it was a really, really great event. I, I, uh, I, it was amazing. I had like cakes and champagne and, and I had this really awesome restaurant called Onegan and it was just really glamorous. Oh, that's great. Okay. So, so that was basically the start of your star baby mm-hmm. enterprises company. Yeah, Star Baby Enterprises launched as at like as like an event production and marketing company. I I because I had already had experience with marketing and and PR and social media was just really getting becoming a huge juggernaut for marketing strategies. So that was mm-hmm. still very new. 
Um, and I was able to kind of like start riding the wave of virtual marketing um, with, with that. So I, I started out doing a lot of events. Um, and then and then I realized that I was doing all these events. I was really I was still acting at the time. I was in a great theater company. I was touring the world with my theater company. Um, I realized I, I wasn't pursuing beyond just like, oh, I need to make money. I only can make money with Star Baby. I, I really wasn't focusing on my acting career. And then in, in, uh, in 2015, um, me and my co-producer, uh, we had a conversation and like a guy, uh, my boyfriend who works with me, he was pretty much like, you know, why aren't we making films? Like, why don't you do something with films? And I was really into like also business of acting because I, I really understood the, um, business end of show business. I always have since I've been like 15, since I knew I wanted to be an actor, I was always interested in the business end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like the fact that when I went to an audition, I didn't feel intimidated by the people behind the table because I understood the, their purposes there. And, um, and it gave me something else to talk about because they're just my colleagues. So, um, I started doing business of acting coaching and then also shifting from just event production to more so film production and, and web series production. And so since 2015, I've really been heavily into the film producing and production elements of show business. Okay. So with when you were so let's so when you were first starting out on in this company, were there there books that you read that helped with the the evolution of it, or were there there various trainings that you took, or did it just happen organically? It happened very organically. I mean, not not to say that there wasn't things that influenced me. I would I would say that because like the woman I worked with was from investment banking, so she had a very rigid way of organizing and project planning and things like that. So I didn't I didn't get the chance to like find my mentors outside of that because I was still very new to the business world. And then and then like literally a year after I quit that job, so like the second the second year of Star Baby, the beginning of it, I worked in. Um, I, I worked in corporate. I was a senior sales and marketing director for a uh, travel a travel company, a big travel company, and um, I learned there. And that and that it was during that period of time when I realized how much I hated corporate life, and I really wanted to be my home. I really be a thousand percent, a million percent into my business and myself as a performer. Um, is when I really started kind of like feeding my mind and doing all that good stuff. And um, uh, I would say the the biggest influence for me, ironically, that helped me start Star Baby because Star Baby, the idea behind it, um, and the reason why I think I was so at ease starting it is that like my thesis in college was very much based upon exactly what I do now, okay. and I was really influenced on um, the idea. Like I watched The Social Network, and I think one of my favorite quotes from that movie is the Winklevoss twins are in like their dean's office and the dean says, you know, they don't, people don't come to this college to find jobs. They come here to create jobs. Mm-hmm. And that was a really driving force for me. I was like, I can create my own path. I can create my own future and I can create my own career. And I knew that I was going to be an entrepreneur. Um, I definitely think I really started um, reading and, and exploring and discovering in like 2015 is really when it started for me. And I got really heavily into Tony Robbins and Gary Vee. And um, I, I, it, was, it was really interesting to me because I started working with, like, really being thrown into circles of people that not only were influenced by Tony Robbins, but had worked with him. Like, not like, oh, I've, I've 
bought the ticket, I went to GPW or Date with Destiny. Like, that was me working with Tony Robbins. No, like, they worked for his company. They were part of his company. They, they were friends with him. They were part of his documentary. Like, whatever it may be, I got, I kept just getting bumped into people that were so close to him. Um, I, like a friend of mine does network's final analysis. He was the guy that Tony Robbins was coming to get worked on every time he came to New York. Like, it was just very interesting to me how close I was becoming and I started throwing myself into more like entrepreneurial circles and female entrepreneurial circles and really just started to like listen and take a, take a temperature of like what people around me were influenced by. And that's when I really started getting into all of that. Okay. So you made an interesting comment and that is you wanted to create your own opportunities, um, which isn't necessarily something taught in a traditional art based background. (laughs) So do you think that's so did is that like something that was naturally like part of of your DNA or was it did it come as a result of working in a couple of different fields and connecting the dots together or or where did that drive I, come from I'd like to say I had some like aha moment and like the world shifted and I was like oh I think I want to be an entrepreneur looking back you know like, it ha- like childhood habitual habits, I, I always, like, wanted to be an entrepreneur. Like, my dad still tells me that, like, when I was eight, I used, when I found out that, like, my Beanie Babies had value, I gathered all my toys and, like, got, like, the book that had, like, the price guide in it and, like, was starting to tag them at eight years old, and I remember that. <laughs> and I used to, like, and, like, I was really into Pokemon cards. I'm such a nerd. Like, I'm a huge nerd. Um, And, like, I, my Pokemon cards, I would, like, package them and put them in like the um like the plastic containers and I would like go to be like the cute kid going to my dad's business meetings and then at the end of the business meetings I would sell Pokemon cards to the people that attended his meetings like (laughs) I've yeah I think I've I've always wanted to be in um like a Mm self-starter and I've always wanted to be a creative self-starter. Like I, I used to write my own songs. I used to perform my own skits. I'm an only child. So I had a lot of free time <laughs> um, <laughs> to, to kind of like live in my own imaginary world, which has always been like a blessing and a curse, but um, it's allowed me to really be a, a risk taker versus live a very sustained um, life of like, Oh, I can't do this because X, Y, Z. I'm like, Oh, we should do this and see what happens. <laughs> um, but no, you definitely have to listen. I think that that's, you, you have to listen. You have to not force yourself into something, but truly discover like what makes you happy. Because even like the most boring jobs have some of the most happiest moments in it mm-hmm. because it, it's not boring to somebody else. Mm-hmm. So. So in your, in your professional life now, how do you balance your schedule that allows you to Uh, both run a company and also be a professional actress? Um, It's a really big and hard balance to have. I I struggle with it daily. Mm -hmm. Um, But about a year ago, actually like probably a year ago to the day, um, I signed up with this woman that I had like really been like stalking for a year uh, who's a business of acting coach I stopped doing that and I saw her and I was like because I wanted to know when I was becoming a business of acting coach I was like who's my competition who's the person that's doing it the best and I know I met this woman um, from actors fast track Valerie Hubbard she's the CEO and um, and I'm, I went to like 
a, the actor expo and I met her and I like said like, you're the best. And, and she and I kept in contact. And last year I signed up with her. And I think having somebody in my life who supports both hemispheres of my life, mm-hmm. whose sole purpose of working together is to further push me towards my goals. Not with what I feel pressured, what people expected me, but what I want from expect from myself has always been good. A coach, I, I, I used to be like, oh, you don't need a coach. I'm very behind. Like, you should get a coach. You should have, like, someone that holds you accountable. Even if you do, like, a mastermind, which I love. I, I, was, I joined a mastermind a few years ago. That also really helped. Mm-hmm. Um, just having an accountability buddy, having a support system of other people like you. They might not necessarily be in your field, but, like, all self-starters and all entrepreneurs and even people who are MLM entrepreneurs – because that's the thing, um, you know, they, they're all self-starters and it's nice that people who are like, how do you balance the fact that like, if you don't do these three things a day, you might not make enough money or you might not be able to like cover rent or you might not be able to buy groceries. Like you have to really be, um, honest with yourself. So I balance it in two ways. I, I dedicate time every week. I have like a minimum of what I'm supposed to do every week. Mm-hmm. And then what I, what I started doing last year actually I think the end of end of last year that has really been like my saving grace is I do a, a client report and an and a actor's business report every every week so I have I literally um I wrote a really great LinkedIn article about it about um the, the fact that like I write down because I know that there's like Trello and Discord and like a lot of funky apps I can't do apps yeah. I can't I can't do any more apps. I need to like see it on my face. I have a notebook that I write every week, every Sunday. I literally write down every single client that I have or every single project that I'm a part of. Mm-hmm. And literally down to the most mundane task. Like follow up with this person, do a phone call, write an email, finish this pitch deck, um, you know, reach out to ten potential sponsors, follow up with these three businesses. Like literally I have them down and I have the perspective date on when I think I can accomplish them. And it really allows me to not only stay focused, but stay honest and not overtly stressed. I used to do like task sheets and like priority lists, but you get so lost in like an ongoing task sheet that you don't see like, okay, well, what's like my top three focus? What, where am I going to capture the cash this week? And you, and I do the same thing with my acting business. Like that's what I've learned with my coach. It's just like, well, where am I going to make the most money? What is my brand? How am I doing sales calls? What direct marketing strategies am I doing? It's no different than, than how I do my, my regular stuff for my business. So, you know, and I, I check, I check through it every week and I cross things out and like, you know, and I say, okay, well, this needs to get done because if you don't do this this week, you know, that's not going to, then this next week's not going to happen, you know? So that's how I do it is I keep it very organized and I say like, okay, this is my goal. This is what I want. And, um, it's, it's still a struggle. I think discipline, um, you know, I may have a very aggressive personality, but, uh, discipline within myself or my, my personal stuff. Like, like I just got an intern to help me revamp the marketing for star baby and our image because I, I'm good at doing it for so many other people. But when I turn on myself, it's like, you know, you're not guaranteed on what the ROI is right away. So you mm-hmm. try you tend to sometimes get lost in that. Mm-hmm. So, but that's, that's how I balance it is I just, I am like OCD about, about my client report every week. Cause staying organized is the only thing you can do. If you don't, if you don't find a way to stay organized, you can be organized in chaos. I'm, I'm like that sometimes, but like at least you have, you need something that you have that's tangible that holds to 
whatever like to your you know your goals for the week mm-hmm. so you've mentioned the the business of acting a few different times mm-hmm. and that is so i find that particularly interesting because i know that is not definitely not taught at the majority of of universities so how what are some i would say like key takeaways you would or key things that an actor or actress should do um that allows them to focus on the business side of, of acting and like i guess and also in a way that well no because i'm asking multiple questions here at the same time yeah, so, I, no, so, no, I, I got it yeah you got that one okay Go ahead. I did. I think, um, you know, and, and before I answer that question, I'm going to yeah. tell you my aha moment because okay. this is how it shifted to that direction. When I was going to college and I was like very adamant about uh, like, oh, yes, like I should have joined the acting department. I should audition and blah, 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 blah. I, I noticed and I had a, I had a, an acting coach at the time who also was my manager, which I found much later is not allowed, but, um, this woman who was my manager and my acting coach would have these intensives and we would do all this like touchy feely stuff about like your life and, and your passions. And, and then she would invite people to come. And, and during this period of time, like my, my parents were still very apprehensive on like, you know, this acting thing might still be a hobby. It might not necessarily be a goal. It's a wonderful, fantastical idea, but it, it might not be a career choice. And I, and I would remember, I remember like when I got started, I used to like go on different sets and like, I, you know, I, I, very lucky that I looked like I was still in high school. I was very much in college and I would get these high school parts and there'd be people there who are kids there who were in high school and their moms came with them. And I remember them asking me like, where did you find this job? How did you get this audition? And, and where are you auditioning? Where are you finding work? And a lot of the stuff that I found was all public information. So I remember telling that to my coach and she was like, you can't say that. I said, why? It's public information. You can't, you can't get mad at me because I discovered this and I shared it. It's not proprietary. And, and then I also realized that um, a lot of my friends who were in the acting department at my school and a lot of people at a lot of other acting programs and at very prestigious colleges in New York, and, I'm, and not Juilliard, not, not any of the main performance staff, like the performance-only schools, like Juilliard or the, um, the actor studio and things mm-hmm. like that, but like, but like hybrid schools like Marymount, NYU, Fordham, things like that. Sure. You know? I heard like the stories of like, well, I was told like Marymount was like, you can audition and you can book a job and you can get work and it's fine. And then you can take a hiatus from school and then you can come back when you're done. And I had friends who had booked jobs and like teachers were like, uh, uh, uh about it at different, at all the schools, including my own. I love Marymount. But then I realized I'm like, well, I'm an acting, like I'm a, I'm a communication arts major and I'm told every day I should do an internship. So telling, and that was my aha moment. It was like, I'm in school as a communication arts major, I'm told to do an internship. I told, I'm told to do, um, uh, I'm told to do, um, you know, meet different people and start interviewing and getting used to the business industry. Yet actors weren't being able to audition while they were in college. And then by the time that they graduated, you know, you or doing a showcase by the time you're doing a showcase, let's say you're 21, you know, by the time you start auditioning, there are people in the audition room who are who are like 17 who weren't even doing it for three or four years. So, like, there's a huge gap between, like, your ability to do so because a lot of people don't always go the college route to hone your craft, so to speak. So my aha moment was that, you know, that's why I wanted to understand the business. So um, getting into the, the business of acting was very much like, I wanted to get work for myself and I've always gotten work for myself. I have representation and I've had representation. Um, 
but I was very adamant about like understanding all the different roles of the people in the industry, understanding who are the gatekeepers, understanding, um, you know, who are the right people that have the jobs, who are the right people that can get me the jobs and things like that. Um, so I, uh, the business of acting to me has shifted. I mean, now there's a lot more education about it because the entertainment industry has completely changed Mm -hmm. since the writer's strike, like X many years ago, like the entertainment industry has completely changed, especially with the, with the, you know, the rise and fall of all the social media stars, um, because people were booking that, um, because that's that you can't, you can't buy that PR or at the time you couldn't. And, um, the business of acting is very much about, you know, it's a business. Are you doing this? I understand that you're doing this because it makes you feel good, but are you doing this because like you, you know, you want to live your life and this is the career that you want? Like, is this, and how are you going to make money and how are you going to save? I mean, I'm lucky that I'm part of the union. Um, you know, a lot of actors aren't, a lot of actors think that like you become part of the union and then you act professionally. There's so much ambiguity that, um, you know, understanding the business end of it is a huge, huge recommendation I have in any, for anybody. And even if you're not an actor, if you're, if you're a musician, if you're a dancer, if you're a painter, like under, like find something that's about arts management or arts in business because it'll, it'll help you be a better representative of yourself and find people to better represent, to represent you who, are on the same level of you and understand your non-negotiables. Mm-hmm. And that was a really hard lesson to learn with me. Mm-hmm. So with that, are there, so you, you mentioned your, your business of acting coach that you work with, mm-hmm. but, but are there, are there resources online or books that you have come across that you feel explain this better oh, than definitely. others? Definitely. Um, Valerie Hubbard, who's my coach, she has a book on um, the acting business, which is really great. Um, I, also recommend um a book by james Caleri from uh Caleri casting he has a book um about the acting business that i'm just let me think of the name for a second um it's like acting professionally yeah it's mm-hmm. called acting professionally rough facts about careers and acting and it literally changed my life it's a little outdated but i believe they update it every so often but it's a wonderful book that pretty much mar- like maps out all the odds and ends of like what you need. Um, that's a huge resource for me. And then, um, you know, regular business books like my I love Harvard Business Review has a great book on strategic marketing. And that's a great tool to have because, you know, you have you if you can identify, you know, Let's take just the acting element of it, because as a film producer, I deal with a lot of other people. But um, and the acting element, like you have to consider, like, well, who do you make your sales calls to? Do you know what a sales call is as an actor? Um, Who are the people you follow up with? Who are the potential clients for you? You know, like like you could put casting directors in this category. You can put like your like agents in this category. And so finding different strategic marketing strategies and strategic marketing books are great. Any social media marketing book especially right now um and not not to be a coach i think that i know a lot of people um want to in in um when they go on instagram now or they go on social media they try to be they present themselves like some of the like the coaches they're influenced by like they maybe they'll put some quotes and and do some like tips and things which i like and i wouldn't i'll sometimes do but like you need to really identify 
who your competition is and how they're marketing themselves and how they're becoming successful and see how you can do it for yourself. And that's why I recommend like look at different um, business books that, that um, you know, like I said, like social media, definitely. And strategic marketing, the Harvard business book, I'm a huge fan of. Um, I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> sure. um, oh yeah. And Gary V's new book crushing it is awesome. So. Okay. Well, sure. So what is some, I know you've actually, you've kind of covered this. So, um, but what is some really bad advice that you see be given to, or hear being given out to new actors and actresses about starting their careers and, and the, the business side of their careers? Oh man. Just, just a few. I have to give you a few. <laughs> Oh man, if I listen to everything everyone told me, I think the the biggest thing that I hate more than anything that the advice that I've gotten is that no, you can't do that. It's not allowed. And and that's been with so many things. Like no, you can't reach out to casting directors. No, you can't send thank you. No, you can't do it unless I tell you. And I'm like, no, I uh, another big ad- another advice that I hear nowadays that is very archaic. Mm-hmm. Is um you, you need a you need representation to be successful. Um these are things that I realized very early on, but there are things that I still hear people say. So like you have to get representation. Like people will without a career, without any experience, maybe like a couple classes, mm-hmm. they'll go find representation. And I and I say to them like this is one of the biggest things that I had because I used to give like a questionnaire every time I had a consult with somebody they wanted me to coach them, and. And I said, you think, like, the first question I said, like, was, I know, like, answer this, answer this statement. I know that I would have a successful career in acting if I had blank. And whatever their answer was, we work on it. And more often than not, it was representation. You don't need representation first, because put it this way. If, if you were, let's say, um, a job prospect at even, we'll say, Starbucks, right? And you... Why would you apply for a management role if you've never worked as a barista before or if you've never worked at as, you know, in sales before? You know, you want to start at a certain level. So be pragmatic. If you want somebody to represent you, they need something to represent. If you want, you know, it, you wouldn't walk into um, uh, like people, I think, look at as represent like they look at agents and managers like they look like uh, lawyers. Like I find this person to help me. When they're not, they're looking people to fulfill in their roster and you help them, you know, always be a good booker, so to speak, mm-hmm. you know, so you want something to show them. You want to show that you're a good fit. And at the end of the day, these people are there to help you get jobs, but they, they don't have jobs without actors. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be cruel. I, I've had some great representation. I have great representation right now, but you know, I, like I found my my agent at um who's also a manager. I found him at like a meetup. I asked him all the questions. I asked him what he looked for. I asked him what he wanted, and I met up with him. And we kind of you know had a meet and greet together to see if we were a good fit. And then we've been a good fit. And I've worked with him for several years, years now, but it took a while to get there. But I also learned how to find myself work, how to put myself out there because the more that I knew how to push myself, the better candidate I was for him. And he would see how dedicated I am to my career. And that's why he would be so excited to push me as well. So I think, you know, go find work without representation. If you don't know where to find acting jobs, then 
you're in the, then what are you doing? Cause you know, that like research, research how people are getting work and find it. So I think that the first thing would be like, you don't need representation to find work. That's the first advice. Sorry. I have a huge rant about that. Um, <laughs> no, the, the second thing to me, um, that I hear a lot is that, um, well, I have to keep taking like the, the idea that you keep paying for classes to meet people, but you don't audition. I don't know who got that advice or if it is even advice, but I know so many people who are just like professional acting class takers and they think that they're going to get the job out of that. You know, you have to also do like pretend you're a scientist. You go to study and study and study and then you you do a proof of concept. Your proof of concept is your audition. You know, like don't be afraid to take a risk. And if you're not ready to take a risk, find out find out what structures you need to put there to take that risk. And I, I think that also if, a lot of a lot of the bad advice comes from really bad acting coaches. I've realized there are some amazing acting coaches. I mean, living in a city as is you you do, Boston's a great city as well. But like Boston, New York, Chicago, and Atlanta now specifically because Atlanta's just very new. Um, in this industry in LA, there's a lot of swindlers, unfortunately, like any industry, and they like to talk a lot. What ends up happening is you start just, if you're in an acting class and you've been paying for coaching for so long with the same teacher and you don't get called up at least like every other time you're in class or every other time you're in, you know, your coaching session, you know, maybe it's time to look for someone else. Like don't wait for people to give you permission to, to perform. Hmm. Um, because if you kept waiting for someone to tell you you could do something, you'll never do it for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of any more, but those are pretty much my, my two pet peeves. Oh, yeah. And my last one is joining the union. It means you're a professional actor. It's not. There's more non-union work than union work, and there's more work happening. And then also you have to move to L.A. to get acting. You know, L.A. has a certain amount of jobs and type of jobs. The East Coast as a whole has a bunch of different kinds of acting jobs. Mm-hmm. Find out what works for you and what you want to do, and then find out what city has it. Okay, sure. So you've you've mentioned a couple times about um, you know the idea of creating your own work, not asking for permission. So it seems like in your in your career so far, you've had to jump from let's say the business side to the creative side, which a lot of people find very fearful. So how do you, in creating your opportunities, how do you push past those times when you're fearful? I think, oh, that's such a, that's such a deep question. Um, you know, fear, there's two types of fear that I struggle with. And it's the, the fear of failing, obviously, we all have those moments. And that I struggle with in my business and then it's the fear of success, which I struggle in my acting career. And it's interesting that that that, that juxtaposition, because you know, um, and I push myself because I look back on all the stuff that I've done and what I've accomplished and where I want to be, in, and I celebrate those small victories and I celebrate gratitude. And and in those moments of fear, I just I take risks. Like I'm I'm in this great theater company now uh, called Theater 68 that that I um. I've been in since uh, like December of last year. Mm-hmm. And what I love about it is every Monday it's a, it's a reason to perform, even if you have nothing. Like you can perform every week if you want to. 
And I think that, you know, the great thing about that is when I get really stressed and I get really upset, sometimes I tend to hide myself or, or I deal with um, the guilt factor and the likability factor. So like, for instance, if I don't feel like I did enough work for star baby, sometimes I get into this like guilt mode. Like I can't have fun. I can't do this and I can't do that. And I shouldn't do this because I didn't do this much work today. When the reality it's like, you know what? It's okay to not do everything every day. And you have to sometimes throw yourself out there and like push yourself on a risk and then celebrate how you survived that. Like I, like I went up last night in a, in a, um, we were doing a work, a workshop before we got into some scene study and I, and I was feeling really vulnerable and I decided to just go up there. So I think that I use my fear and whatever causes that fear to kind of be my launch pad. And not a lot of people are like that. So I'm, I'm aware that I'm unique in that sense and I'm very appreciative that I have that. Mm-hmm. But I think that we spend so much of our time worried about what other people will think or worried about, you know, doing the right thing that we tend to forget why we do it and why you are significant and why you are important. And I think that's how I've pushed through the fear is that, you know, I'm meant to do this. And I always, what I do is I do something that, um, I do like a small victory something every time I get fearful. Like what's a good small victory? Like today I was really stressed. I've been having, like I'm going to create next week with one of my, my TV shows. And I'm this week. I have like a lot to finish and, and I was like, I couldn't swallow the idea of the amount of work I do. I haven't even done it yet today, and I'll probably do it tonight. But what I did was, like, I did dishes, right, which sounds so insignificant. But it was something that I was like, I knew that by doing these dishes, I would feel like I cleaned my house. It's a small victory for me. I, I was able to, like, prepare a nice dinner. And I, that was something nice I did for my boyfriend, and that made me feel good. And then I also, like, connected some people and helped them out today. I think anytime you feel fearful or worried – Go do something nice for somebody because it'll make you feel good and then you'll feed off their energy and vice versa. You never know what doors that open for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So with your – in your career journey so far, what has been the best investment you've ever made? Ooh. Best investment I ever made. I would say the best investment I ever made was buying my Canon camera. I don't, I, I, granted, I don't know how to use it very well. My, my, my boyfriend's a wonderful cinematographer, but that, that, um, camera was kind of like the cornerstone to Star Baby becoming the, the, this tumbleweed of, it's slowly growing to more of a juggernaut, but like becoming this, this production company is that we had a camera and that, and I researched like, what camera are the YouTubers using? So I wanted to vlog, um, which is, is so, it's such an animal in itself, but, um, you know, getting that camera or even like, you know, for some people, maybe an iPhone, but like getting that was really just the, the shift because then, then it was not, I didn't have to, um, I, when I got into doing production for Star Baby, the first thing I did is I did a music video for my guitar teacher growing up. He is a metal band. I'm a huge rocker as well. Mm-hmm. And he's a metal band. And I was like, I'm going to make your music video. I knew I wanted to do, do it. And I started my business with someone that I was familiar with and that I trusted with my, with the designer I worked with, I'd worked with him for many years doing his retouching, so I was familiar with his designs. And when I did, and so it was easy to work with them because I wasn't worried about, I already knew the personality of the person I was working with. So, like, with this music video, I already knew the personality of my guitar teacher and his music, and I wanted to do something nice. And, and that that was a great learning experience, but 
it blew up in my face because the, the last minute cinematographer I got be, became a huge, a huge asshole. And, and it, you know, though it's, you learn from your mistakes. So I knew that I need to get a camera as I didn't want to ever have to wait for any, I'm very big on like not waiting for permission. So I got this camera <laughs> that was like the big investment for me. Yeah. And that's made Star baby into a huge production company. And we used that camera up until literally this year. We just got a new camera this year. So we were, we had that, we got crazy awesome lenses for it. So that was a good investment. So any way that you're able to have something unique, like, like another good investment um, for me was um, going to uh, – oh, yeah, was really just getting into web series production in any capacity. Mm-hmm. Where you can make a web, web series overnight. I was in a web series, a comedic web series um, a few years ago, and that led me – and that we got into L.A. Web Fest, and so we flew out to L.A. for it. And I got involved with the web series world and realized the beauty of the fact that you can literally make something this weekend if you wanted to. So don't be afraid to put sweat equity into things that you could finish automatically and then show. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's a really good answer, but I think just like trust the invest investment to me isn't necessarily money all the time. It's very much sweat equity. I put a lot of sweat equity in a lot that I do. Mm-hmm. So I think that knowing where to put your sweat equity is the best investment that I could do. I don't have like a specific place, but just, I knew like I, Oh yeah. So here's a good one. So when I started my, um, sorry, my business of acting, I spent like three days not working, writing a curriculum, writing a pitch deck, writing what we would do, what we would cover, why business of acting is important and, and understanding my scope of intelligence on that uh, and how I could present myself that allowed me to set myself better in networking situations and and really just not being afraid to put the time to brand yourself is the best thing you could investment you can make any time to better yourself even if you're not making money whatever time you put in now is to make money like you edit your website because you're going to send somebody a website and you're going to book the job you wanted because your website's so perfect you know mm-hmm. yeah. so just being 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 open to that Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. Thank you. Um, so another f- final big question. Uh, wh- what would you say has been the best advice you've ever received? The best advice I've ever received is very simple. It's just raise your standards. Um, the minute that I heard that, and I went to UPW last year and, um, and a lot of leading up to that and a lot of watching Tony, I was a big Tony Robbins person. And, and to me hearing raise your standards and, and, um, feed your mind were probably two of the best advices I ever got because it's about, it's, it's not only about, um, making yourself better, but finding what your next level is and knowing that you know, the sky's the limit. So if, you know, if you hit your first major goal, what's the next one? What's the next one? You should always be able to, to trust evolving yourself and, and, um, and feeding your mind. It's not just about reading or listening or, or watching. It's also about like engaging. So for me, I, um, the, this, this goes with that, but my, my daddy said to me, 
all the time, both, both my parents, that if you want to, you know, tennis players, when they want to get better, they practice with a tennis player that's better than them. So who is your better tennis player in whatever you want to do? And in, interact with them. Don't be afraid of the people that are better than you. Be their friend. Understand. Learn from them. And if you want to go beyond them, go beyond them or be best friends with them or whatever. But don't be afraid to go beyond your mentors, but find out who your mentors are. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you. So, yeah, <laughs> thank you. Covered, covered a lot. <laughs> you did, you did. It covered a, a, a lot in these last few questions, which I really appreciate. Uh, but again, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. I very much appreciate it. If the listeners would like to uh, see more of your work and, and follow you uh, online, where are the best places they can do go to do that? Well, um, definitely find me on Instagram um, and social. I love Instagram and all forms of social media. Um, it's at Jordy, which is J-O-R-D-I-E underscore star baby. And that's also my Twitter. You could find me on Facebook and LinkedIn as Jordan Elizabeth Gelber. And uh, for star baby enterprises is my company. You can find uh, our handle for that is star baby E-N-T-N-Y-C. So, um, yeah, any of those platforms, feel free to reach out. I love talking to new people, and I, if you have any questions, so I love just, like, giving advice. We all, we're all here to help each other. Sure, wonderful. I will make sure I put those in the show notes so they can click on through. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you again for chatting with me. I, I really appreciate it. Have a good evening. Thank you. You too. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Advance Your Hour podcast. If you like this episode, please go into iTunes and give us a five-star rating. And while you're there, hit the subscribe button so that every single time I release a new episode, it will go directly to you without even thinking about it. If you're interested in hearing older episodes, please go to AdvanceYourArt.com where you can find the catalog of everything I've done so far, as well as contact information and projects I'm working on. Thank you again, and have a great day.